welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly. Bless the name of the Lord today. How many of you glad that God has taken great care of you? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. He's a great caretaker. And some things in our lives should have been different. Um, But God is a good detour master. And he detoured and kept some good stuff away from you and took you to where you were supposed to be. Amen. Amen. Well, let's pray. Um, I'm going to do something odd. We won't have a scripture reading today because... We have a lot of them that are kind of all base scriptures, and um, and so I will be um, I will be uh, taking us through them. Lord God Almighty, we thank you, we honor you for your goodness that we can sing about forever. Actually, we will. We will sing about you and your great goodness for all eternity. And God, I pray that we would have lives that reflect your passion for us and your your desire for us, not just our personal dreams, but your eternal vision. May our story be submitted to your story as you make history. In Jesus' mighty name, be with us. Amen. 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 We'll be talking about reconstructing your faith today sit down you can have a seat you can have a seat we're going to be in a lot of verses today um i don't know if i'm going to finish this today maybe two weeks and because i really want to take time we've spent some time how many of you been tracking with us during the series you've been tracking with us good and so um in light of that uh reality how many of you are actually working you know well i'll ask that how many of you have been working through some stuff as you've been working through the series. Working through some, some more personally on your own time. How many of you have been doing that? Yeah, I'm glad. Um, and and, and, and um, this, I'm going to be honest with you, as I'm working on this, um, I'm used to disciple making, which reconstruction is really disciple making. Um, and as I'm looking at this, I'm seeing things we need to implement as a church um, even more. Um, things to even encourage you on plugging into that you haven't yet. And I know this has been a pandemic, um, but as I'm, as I'm working through this, so, so this is a working document. Is that okay? So when I say the word, the Bible ain't a working document. My document based on the Bible is a working document. Uh, so I want y'all to understand that. So I'll feel maybe professory at moments, preachy at moments. Uh, y'all know we kind of ambidextrous around here. So uh, be in prayer this morning. I want to talk about reconstruction because we have talked so much about deconstruction. I can't tell you, um, I've traveled a teeny bit. I haven't traveled that much and everywhere I go, um, it's everywhere. And because it's everywhere, I think it's something that there needs to be a systemic answer to, not just like, like, you know, people like write a book. I'm cool with that. I, I just want people to be stable in the faith, you know, 
So I mean, we're always trying to, you know, and I get monetizing and all of that, but I'm just, like, I just want people to be stable in the faith. And so I want home to be right. And I want you all to be stable. I mean, um, it, it, as, as I look around, I can't take responsibility for who follow me on the internet, but I got to take responsibility for y'all. And, and, um, and so I, I, I want us to dig in today. Now let's look back at our definition of deconstruction and let's try to come up with a definition for reconstruction. Deconstruction is the process of re-evaluating your core beliefs. So if you have not been tracking with us today, I mean, during the series, and if you're new and if you're a visitor, um, one of the things that we've been talking about is we're in a season where there are massive amounts of people who are saying they're believers, but they are, um, they are re-evaluating whether or not the faith is actually a solid faith to be in. And so what we're trying to do in this series is we're trying to talk about good deconstruction, bad deconstruction, because some deconstruction is good, some is bad. But now that we've worked through all of that a bit, I mean, we haven't worked through everything. You can't work through everything because we'll be in a series forever. But what I want us to do is I want us to reconstruct. Somebody say reconstruct. reconstruct. What is reconstruction? Reconstruction is the process of solidifying your core beliefs. It's the opposite. Now, many of you have never done that, if you're honest. Uh, many of you have never said what I believe. Many of us have written down what we want in a spouse. Some of God, she got to, um, you know what I'm saying, God, she got to be like this. I, I know, you know, you look at the heart and everything, but I look at everything. And um, <laughs> y'all know I'm telling the truth. And y'all and y'all make a list of all the things you want. Talking about God, he gotta he gotta be, you know, and you make your little list. All right. And so what I want you to what I really want you to work through in this series, because I knew I, I didn't want to do this on a Wednesday because only 15 of y'all will come, you know, the Wednesday night Bible study. So I'm gonna do this on Sunday morning like a Bible study. Um, y'all know how we do. And so I want you to really, really assign yourself to constructing your Christian faith. That's, that's the assignment. That's the assignment for the next year. So I have some goals that I've already been working out for us as a church for next year to pray through in solemn assembly about every believer having a construction plan for their spiritual life. You know what I'm saying? Because we have to have a construction plan. Many people are deconstruction because they've never been constructed. And so, and so what ends up happening um, is it's like moving into a house that has a lot of projects to be done. You just kind of get overwhelmed and don't do anything, right? And so what we want to do is we want to build these landmarks and, 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 um, and, and, and in our lives. So, so what I want to talk about is the relationship that people have with church. Can y'all be patient with my introduction? All right, all right. So church, church engagement, I got this from Barna study. Um, there's the active person, the active faith person. They attend church, they pray, they read their Bible all within the past seven days. I ain't gonna ask you to raise your hands on none of, the, none of these. All right? These are these are the types of people that have church engagement. I'm talking to Christians today. Um, 
Churchgoers have attended church in the past month. That's called a churchgoer. Okay? I'm just letting you know, this is non-pandemic. You know, someone said, it's the pandemic. Don't try to use the pandemic as an excuse. I love y'all. Y'all ain't registered yet. Let's look at the next one. <laughs> pastor, Pastor, Pastor Trippin', right? Yeah, he is. Um, <laughs> somebody, I'm a register. Um, church. Have attended church within the church. Okay? These are terms I want us to understand. Have attended church within the past six months. That means very active person or somewhat active, right? Unchurched. Now, look at what unchurched is, right? Y'all got that up there, the unchurched? Unchurched? Go to the next one after that, the one that says unchurched. Unchurched. Under unchurched is de-churched. Formerly attended church, but have not attended church in the past six months. Do you know if you're a member of a church and you don't attend a church for six months, you're no longer a churched person? I want y'all to really let that sink in. You're no longer churched, okay? Never churched. I have never attended church, okay? And so within this is a multiplicity of gen generations. So before we go to that, I want y'all to go to the secularized post-Christian part. Because I want y'all to see the categories, and then I want y'all, if y'all put, did y'all put that up there? Um, the secularized post-Christian part. Um, if not, I'll just read through it. So all, all U.S. adults are categorized as, as either high, moderate, or low on secularized scale. I, I gotta explain this. Individuals are considered to be post-Christian if they meet the criteria of being highly or moderately secularized. Now, now listen to me, secularized means absolutely, I hate sacred secular uh, communication, but it's very, very important for us to understand the reason why people even drift to the deconstruction direction is for a lot of things uh, that's on this list. A secularized person is, uh, uh, they, they meet 13 of these things. Moderately secularized, we talking about really, it mean worldly, that's just a nice way of saying worldly, okay? Or you know, the old church say black, backslidden or you know, fleshly or carnality, carnal. We had all kinds of words to just tear a person up from not being fully Christian and holy, right? Um, so, so, so modern, right? Moderate. Uh, they meet at least nine of the following criteria, but less than 13. Secularized, low, meet, uh, 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 meet fewer than nine. So these are some of them. Disagree strongly or somewhat that their faith is important in their life. Okay. I want you to mark if you if you if this is you, any one of these is you just mark in your mind or somewhere. Get out your pad and identified as atheist or agnostic. Atheist means there's no God. Agnostic means God can maybe exist, maybe not, but I can't prove it. And North can you. Uh, faith tribe, a skeptic. You just a skeptic. You just be online posting memes. It's kind of like the person that's uh, you ever met the person that's like a conspiracy theorist. That something, some, everything is a conspiracy. See, did you see that? Now look at the left side of the camera. Freeze it right there. <laughs> some of y'all stay with me. Y'all know them people. You know that everything is a, and they never land on anything. You know, you know, uh, um, and I'm not beating nobody up. So, but I'm just saying, some of y'all are like, I don't care if you get vaccinated or not. This for free. Do what you want to do. But don't be sending me no articles that this is the mark of the beast. 
All right, I just, that's for free today. You know, I know Pastor went off on a little tangent. No, it really ain't a tangent, because the fact that you're thinking that way, I'm concerned. You know, the mark of the beast is about belief versus unbelief. The mark is a symbol of that. So uh, it, we may go through Revelation one day just to help us out with that. Because I'll just be like, if one more person says, see, he the, he the Antichrist. He, they're gonna, and you, when the Antichrist come, you gonna, you ain't, ain't going to be no question. Ain't going to be no question. Ain't going to be no question. You ain't going to be wondering. You're going to have to send nobody an article. You're not going to have to go to the deep, dark web. You're going to know. Stay with me, y'all. Stay with me. Stay with me. All right. Um, unchurched, have not attended church in the past six months, have not prayed to God in the past week, have not read the Bible past week, have not volunteered at a church in the past week. <laughs> this is hilarious. Have not attended adult Sunday school. We won't have Sunday school. Wednesday night Bible study, fourth Wednesdays or small groups. Next one, small groups. Have not donated any money to the church in 12 months. That, now, this is what this thing, this thing what pastor's saying. Um, number 11, do not participate in any other form of church. Do not believe in God. Disagree strongly and somewhat that the Bible is accurate. Mm. Have never made a personal commitment to Jesus. Agree strongly and somewhat that Jesus committed sins. Disagree strongly or somewhat that they have a responsibility to share their faith. Lastly, Bible engagement, low scale. So when we look at all of these different things, these are things on the spectrum that I want us to really understand of sometimes people don't realize that their deconstruction didn't even come from a solid place. Because if you're not, if you're not invested, if you, if you don't know when you trusted Jesus, if you don't, if you don't, if you don't get in, if you join a church, sign a covenant and don't fulfill any of it, if you don't go to Bible study, if you don't go to small group, if you don't go to salt, if you don't go to men's ministry, and, I'm, and this is my time, because I didn't get y'all the time when we did the little fuzzy wuzzy, I'm going to be nice to y'all. Now, we, we got to jam up a little bit. Because some people's, because some, because, so I've been nice all these weeks. I've been real nice. But um, some people's deconstruction doesn't even have validity because they were never really vested. And I'm talking about those who go to church and then deconstruct. So the first thing, I got all of these points, a bunch of verses. Are y'all with me? All right. Uh, first thing the church has to do, and we individually have to do, but I want us to think more communally because we're too individualistic in this society. Invite unbelief. I've said this a hundred million times. Look at Mark 9. You can put that up in Mark 9, 23. The 28, but I really want to focus on verse 24. He says in verse 23, he says, Jesus said to him, if you can, you don't have to turn today. You could, you could, if you could see it, you use the screen because I want us to be able to flow together without there being any stubs in this. If you can, everything is possible for the one who believes. Immediately the father of the boy cried out, I do believe, help my unbelief. Now, what does that tell me? Because guess what? Jesus healed in the midst of unbelief. Unbelief isn't the enemy. 
not lovingly and intelligently engaging it is. Okay. So when God said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. One of the things we have to understand about the framework of that is that unbelief never cancels out belief. Unbelief is the wrestling with the reality of the fact that you don't think, again, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things. I got some church people in here. Look at y'all, look at y'all. And so, so what happens is, is, is when you have unbelief present with belief, there's a foggy hope. What is hope? The picture, we've said this for years, the mental or visionary picture or dreaming picture of a preferred future that hasn't happened yet. Okay? Now, when you look at unbelief, there's a lot of things in my life that I'm like believing God for and it's foggy, but faith is the willingness to just, uh, you know, y'all don't, we don't use VCRs no more. But you remember, I, 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 I know Mom Dale, you remember VCRs, don't you, Mom Dale? I ain't trying to put you out there, you know, but we know. And you put the tape in, and when the thing is going on like this, it was a button you would push called tracking. Y'all remember that? Who <laughs> remember that? You push the tracking button, and the tracking button would, would make the thing stretch back out, and then it'll come clear again. See, that's what faith does to unbelief. That's what faith does to your hope. It, it, re, it, it, it pushes the tracking button in your spirit so that what wasn't clear to you can become clear again. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And so some of us need to learn how to push the tracking button in our life. What's the tracking button? Uh, we'll see that in the rest of our time. Belief and unbelief can coexist. Guess what? Whether you know it or not, it always does. Even in some of the same things in our life. Now, this is what you must understand. 1 Corinthians 13, y'all still tracking with me? Oh, I know we're not going to finish this today. 1 Corinthians 13 says, we know in part. <clears throat> mean, what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 13 is that you and I will never fully know anything. Listen to me. He says, even with all the spiritual gifts at its full power in God's word, we'll still only know part of the reality. So, 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 so that means that there is always going to be a coexistence of belief and unbelief. Now, look at Luke 17, 5 and 6. Luke 17, 5 and 6. It's all with inviting unbelief. And I want to say a few more things about that. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. Have you ever prayed that prayer before? Increase our faith. Let me, listen to me. Jesus does not always do that. What does he say in verse six? If you have the faith the size of a mustard seed. Listen to me. Faith being the size of a mustard seed mean most of what you have with you is unbelief. If you, if you only have faith of size of mustard that means you have unbelief the size of a tree. Y'all not hearing the pastor today. But that little seed, mustard seed of faith, is enough to move a mountain. Now, why am I saying this? 
because in the deconstruction conversation, um, there are two things that we think really actually, like when I'm listening to people think heal deconstruction, I think both are helpful, but they, they, they don't fully heal it. Is number one, good argumentation for stuff that people are struggling with, which I think we need to do. Number two, with really three things, uh, dealing with the emotional areas of hurt through counseling or what have you. Now, when you get all your answers right, and when you get good counseling, you still need faith. <laughs> Y'all gotta hear me. You're still gonna need faith because there is going to be another obstacle in your life. And guess what? If you're gonna be in the church, you're gonna get hurt again. You're gonna be around people and you're gonna get hurt again. So we have to, in our environment, Deal with that reality, but also we got to invite unbelief. That means if a person isn't being divisive in the church, but they're asking valuable questions, we need to, number one, invite their unbelief, but we also at the same time need to encourage their faith. You encourage the faith that they have. You don't try to create for them or force faith on them that they don't have. Because if you look at both verses, Jesus pulled on the faith that existed. He didn't emphasize the unbelief that was present. That's super important. And because of that, Jesus always works where there's some working to work on. Right? If there's no working to work on, Jesus can't work. He ain't going to work. I'm just letting you know that. All right? So in light of that reality and looking at that, point two, the church must have a clear framework. Listen, for constructing the faith of disciples. Oh man, I'll turn over to Hebrews with me. Hebrews 11, I mean five, 11 through chapter six, verse two. This is super important. This is a verse we've used over the years for so many things. He says, we have a great deal to say about this. Let me stop. So Paul wants to talk about, talk to the people about some deeper things in the faith. But he said, I want to tell you about this thing. But then he says, and it is difficult to explain. The reason why it's difficult to explain is not because Paul can't explain it. He says, listen, since you have become too lazy to understand. The old translation says, dull of hearing. All right. Now, what is that? So, so when we talk about lazy hearing, you know, I was, in, I was talking to Jesus this morning. I'm going to be honest with, with you. People can't put all the onus, you can't, of your spiritual growth on the church. A lot of times we treat the church like the app that's supposed to do everything for us. But talk about this towards the end of this. But what ends up happening is some of us sent under word for years. And, I mean, sit under truth for years. The word, that was a good word. I'm like, all right, what is it doing, though? A good word needs to find good soil. And many of you, the reason why you're on the edge is because you become dull of hearing. And why does the Bible say you become dull of hearing? Hebrews, this is not in my notes. Hebrews 3.13 says that when you get comfortable with sin, there is a numbing effect that happens to your heart. When that numbing effect happens and the word 
tries to come forth in your life, it doesn't find soil because sin is a roadblock for it. And I'm not, I'm not just talking about, you know, all of us. I mean, people are like, everybody got sin. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about you walking around. You, all of us, we, we, we sin and we don't even know it. I'm talking about you know you walking in some foolishness and you have locked and loaded that this is going to be your lifetime stronghold. And so one of the things that people have to do is you have to do is we have to lock and load into what the church has made available to you. I know for a fact that, that, that only about 30% of people here really maximize everything that's available to you. Why is this important? Because the church has to have a framework for making sure that disciples are made. We present the mechanisms for Christ to be formed in you. You have to, sanctification doesn't happen by you like a flower sitting in the sunlight and osmosis takes place. No, what has to happen when sanctification takes place is you'll see in this text, look at the rest of the verse, verse 12. It says, although by this time you ought to be teachers. Now in the, in the, in the Greek, you can be translated y'all like you from the South because it's you plural. Meaning everybody, if you're from the block, ought to be teachers, right? In other words, like, and I've said this before, there is a mandate that on some level, every person in here has the ability to be a disciple maker. Men and women. And guess what? That's the expectation. Y'all not listening. This is the expectation. Most of us are in survival mode with our Christian life. We're just coming week to week, but God is like, fam, like that's, that's baby stuff. Like I'm trying to raise you up so that you can invest in other people. I'm not trying to, you not, can't, you got to stop limping from, from Sunday to Sunday and from YouTube video to you. You got to, listen, I need you to get strengthened. You know, uh, the, the writer of Hebrews, got to, he said, you should have been teaching by now. You should have been, in other words, investing in others. If you've been a Christian for five years and you have no, I'm not talking about you got to sit up and you got to start a formal class. I'm talking about your life pours Jesus out on somebody else's life at some point in the year. Even if you, you, you being a teacher is even being in a small group and saying, you know what? The Lord was showing me in my time with him and I was looking at that verse. Everybody like, I shorty, I see you. You in your Bible, you in your Bible. See, we need to encourage one another when that happens, right? Because we need to have an environment where, from people from their youth are being trained to be pouring stations for Jesus, right? But look at what it says. He says, you need, and this is, this is very, this, this, this is very, very important here. He says, you need, y'all still tracking with me, right? He said, you need someone to teach you the basic principles of God's revelation. The meaning that you've been, that first off, it's, it's too much here. Number one, that means the early church had a systematic way of teaching God's people. And it means that the people that, are, that he's talking to made themselves available to be exposed to it. And number three, it lets you know that they got lazy, never used it. Let me give you an example. 
So I was probably 65% fluent in Spanish in high school because I worked at McDonald's uh, at, at, at Mazda Gallery in D.C., off of Wisconsin Avenue. And I was, I was being there, it was people from San Salvador, El Salvador, Puerto Rico. And, and, you know, I was learning Spanish in class, so I would practice all my Spanish. And I would be getting it. They'd be like, oh, Enrique. <laughs> y tú? I say, yeah, 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 yeah. It's how you speak, oh, poquito, poquito, poquito. <laughs> so we would talk, poco a poco. Um, and so we would talk. And um, over the years, I would use it a little bit. And then the less I used it, I lost it. Listen, that's what the Christian life is like. The Christian life isn't like riding a bike. Y'all better hear me today. It is not like riding a bike and it's not like swimming. The Christian life, you snooze, you lose. And you got to push reset. And so he's basically saying, I have to say, so this is what convicted me about this, though. And, 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 this is, and, I, and now I can say this beyond here. I'm concerned that most churches don't know what they're doing when it comes to discipling people. Now, and, and what, what do I mean when I say that? Most churches, if you ask them, what is the way that you set up formally to help people to have Christ formed in them? That they can grow in their sanctification. And, and, and what we have to do as a church better than we, even though we, I think we have a lot of great stuff in place, we have to chart it out for you. But you got to, like, we can't do all this work and you don't get it. You, you understand what I'm saying? Like, you have to now say, you got to take hold of life indeed for yourself. You got to ex- quit expecting that this special Christian that God anointed, that's superlatively powerful in the faith. They can pray. They, can, they know Hebrew and Greek. They know church history. They, li- they never sin. They're going to come and they're going to find you and they're going to come and grab you and take you under your wing. And they're going to walk you through your Christian life all the way through your Christian life. Come on, let's go. Let me teach you this. And I'm going to walk you and then on your deathbed. Bye. No, you're dealing with a lot of us that are messed up. And we're trying to figure life out ourselves. Help me today, somebody. And, and, and we're trying to walk with God with our bruises. We limping like Jacob, but, but, but we walk with him for a little while. And listen, you got to take it upon yourself to say, listen, I need God for myself. I, I'm, I'm going to go after him. I'm going to push forward towards him. I'm not going to wait on nobody. I'm not going to make no excuses. I'm not going to get no emails. I'm going to do whatever. Listen, you own everything else in your life. In the most important area, you just leave to itself. And you wonder why you're a wanderer. Listen, grab your faith. Listen, listen, all that investment Jesus made on the cross. He died like that. For you to say thank you and move on with your life? Like, like, listen to the level of angst and frustration. So the writer says, he says something interesting. He said, you need to learn the basic principles of God's revelation again. But listen to what he says. You need milk, not solid food. Can you imagine... A grown-up 
You said it. There you go. Was that Liz? That was you, Liz. Mm-hmm. Listen, still drinking milk. Talking about something. You nursing. Big old joker in mama lap. Hair all on your chest. I'm ready, ma. That look crazy. That's how crazy it looked for a grown Christian. We, we, we listen, 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 listen. It's time for us to, to for, we got to go from milk to meat. Listen, listen, you can't be on Similac all your little life. Now look at what it says. You got to be on some Ruth Chris ministry. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Some Delmonicos, some Devons, some Eddie V's. Come on, somebody. Y'all gonna help me preach it like I see it. <laughs> Verse 13. Y'all still with me? I'm having fun with this. Verse 13. Now everyone, this is, listen, this is a monster verse. Now everyone who lives on milk, stop right there. Lives on milk doesn't mean they just drink milk. It means they're in the cycle of lack of growth, having to constantly go back to milk. <laughs> so, so their lifestyle is on milk, so you're only going to get what milk can give you. Now, everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced. What takes you from milk to meat? Application of every level of feeding development. <laughs> he said, he said, he said, it's experience with the message. What, I like the way that, uh, uh, I think that the NASB or the, uh, the, uh, the ESV says, uh, 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 with, with, uh, or train with the word of truth about righteousness because he's an infant. Look at, look at verse 14. But solid food is for the mature. For those whose senses have been trained to distinguish good from evil. That's how you know you're mature. <laughs> I wish I had time. Um, maturity comes from not knowing information. That's not where maturity comes from. Maturity comes through assimilation. That's why a person, and it's not putting anybody out, but if you, if, you, if you gorge a lot of food and then you throw it back up, you've tasted it, but you've not been nurtured off of it. So your, your body has to take it and transition it into the necessary minerals and vitamins and things in order to feed your body so that you can be strengthened for action. That's what the word of God is supposed to do for us. But look at what he says in verse, uh, of, uh, chapter 6, verse 1. He said, therefore, let us leave elementary teaching about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying a foundation of repentance from dead works. He said, I really got to teach you that again? That works don't save? That salvation is secured? Faith in God, right? Teaching about wash, ritual washings, laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. So what should we do? We should expect everyone to be disciple makers, we should expect everyone to serve people beyond stagnancy. And we also should expect that people will have clear biblical development plan. Let me ask you this. As we look at this reality and we work through this as believers, are you, let me ask you, are you ready to actually be a disciple? Don't, don't, that's a rhetorical question. 
Are you ready today? Like, like, I, like I, I, I feel like as a pastor, you feel the pressure of, man, do I need to like put props on stage and like get Disney up here, you know, and do I need to act like I'm swimming in the Jonah story and the whale swallows? Maybe they'll pay attention. Maybe do I need, and I'm not, I'm not dogging creativity, but sometimes you feel the pressure. Of, what in the world do I need to do for you to just open your eyes, listen to something, use it, apply it, and connect. I'm like, I just feel the pressure of it. Do I need to say, on Friday, do I need to do that? Whatever I gotta do. I'm just telling you, sometimes as a pastor, you feel, because you want for people always more than they want for themselves. Because so many of y'all, I see y'all potential. That's the hard part about it. See how beastly God has made you as a disciple. The thoughts and the gifts and even the uncharted stuff that's in you and you're wasting your time. So much to give. So much to give. I can talk about this. So looking at the fight partially last night, watching the fight. And I'm going to be honest with y'all, I was disappointed. The reason why I'm disappointed, I don't care who won. <clears throat> but I, 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 I know a little bit about boxing to know a sloppy fight when I see it. There was no fainting. I mean, everybody just standing there, and you just kind of do like this. You block like this. You block with your hand, your fist, front of your fist, or you block like this, or you move or something. You know what I'm saying? And I, as I'm watching it, know what, I'm, know what I'm seeing a lack of? Fundamentals. Like, you don't want to get a stage like that and lose on fundamentals. Every pro boxer said, if Shorty would have just learned the fundamentals, his right hand would be set up well enough to knock some people out. But if all you have is the hangmaker, then all you're going to do is telegraph it, but you don't know the tools. You don't know how to make some switches. See, in the Christian life, it's just like boxing. You got to have some tools in your toolkit for the enemy. You got to know how to use your armor. You got to know how to put on the helmet of salvation. If I asked you today how to put on the helmet of salvation, how would you put it on? If I asked you to put on the shield of faith, how would you put it on? If I asked you to put on the belt of truth, how would you put it on? If I asked you to put on the breastplate of righteousness, how would you put it on? If I told you to put on the shoes for the preparation of the gospel of peace, how would you put it on? If I asked you, how would you use the sword when this is the word of God in your hand, how would you put it on? Listen, we got to learn the basics again and we got to get back to it. And I'm believing, listen, a lot of the stuff that we fight with that's periphery is dealt with if we functionally commit ourselves to the basic things. We can beat pornography if we just get to the basics. We can beat, we can, we can, we can stop beating being domestic violent engineers if we just get back to the basics. We will stop just falling for any old kind of person if we just got back to the basics. We would stop lying a little bit more if we just get back to the basics. We would stop living from paycheck to paycheck if we just got back to the basics because you'd be able to have some patience worked in you. You won't be slicing your card every single time getting it maxed to the limit because if you knew basics, you could get, you could get practical tr uh, truth university, uh, 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 university before you even get in the class. Stewardship does not start with the class. 
it starts with the fruit of the spirit. Y'all not hearing me today. Basic things. Somebody said, I need a purity class. It first starts with self-control. I need to stop running my mouth so much. I told you that it starts with humility. Listen to me today. If we get back and we start just learning the basics and taking what I, I, I like Kobe did this thing and I'm done. Kobe said, I, I went, you know, when I came from Italy and I came to Philly, dudes was crushing me in basketball. His name was crushing me. He said, I was like, I've never seen dudes play basketball like this. And so he said, I determined myself that I was going to list all my, this is just unreal. So I'm going to list all of my weaknesses and I'm going to take a week to a month to work on one. And he said, I would just work on that one. So if it was dribbling, I would just work on that one thing. Wouldn't work on nothing else. That one thing. Next thing, shots. One thing. One thing, learn proper form, square my shoulders, bend my knees a little bit, whack out, there we go. See, I know what I'm talking about. Um, you know, people want to do sham God and all of that already. And it's like, dude, you don't even know how to dribble. And he worked on it. He said, after about a year, they couldn't touch him. Because he had so worked on the things. See, many of us ignore what we're weak in. And, the, and what we have to do is let God, I'm done, let God help us to fortify the foundations of what we're There's something today God was showing me. He said, you have a constant weakness in this. And he said to me this morning, he said, Eric, you're going to have to go back to basics and I need you to get the verses on this and I need you to sow them in your soul and make them a part of you so that they can be a part of the matrix of your life. And listen, that's what your Christian life is for. And so I pray today. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm nowhere near finished. I only got through two or ten points. Yeah. But, I, but when we talk about reconstructing faith, I, I want us to really actually get constructed. And so what we're going to be working on for the next year, we're going to be talking about, you know, I, I know we do a lot of outreach and we're committed to outreach. But, but next year I want to deepen our inreach. Wants to deepen our inreach so that, and, and, so, and that doesn't mean we stop outreach, but I really, really want us to work on your battle strategy for constructing a biblical faith in your life for emotional health, for spiritual health, for relational, all those different things, and building those foundations of understanding who God is and what it looks like in your life. And man, I can't wait to see what God's gonna do with us. Lord Jesus, um, it is. As I think about and I look at so much of this, of our need for you and our, really our need to have a, as a deer pants for the water. Um, God, this is all I'm praying today. Help us to desire you. At the end of the day, that's really what it is. Do we want God above all things? Are we willing to build our life around him?
If you found yourself in this room and, or online and you don't know Jesus as Savior, we would love to talk to you about Jesus. Jesus died on the cross and got up from the grave to give a relationship with you. First thing he wanted to do is construct you into a new being. How does he do that? He takes the old self from you. He puts it on the cross with Jesus. It dies with him and is raised to new life in him. If you want new life, you've never put your faith in the one that gives a new life and a new chance. Hold your hand in the air. We'd love to talk to you about Jesus. He wants to construct you a new faith. If you're in our faith lobby online, on our commenting feed, that is, Serge will be reaching out. Anyone wants to place their confidence in Jesus. that song <clears throat> Lord I'm trying so hard to be the man you can be proud of each day I try to do what's right I'm sure to be a beacon for you to help someone stand so that they can make it through. I want to please you more. I love that song. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he reminded his people of what mattered most. My God laid down his life for a reason. So that we would have actual life. Eternal life is not a place you go. It's a life you live. <laughs> Super important. Let's stand together. If you wanna take communion and you don't have the elements, hold your hand up. We wanna make sure you get served. that he was betrayed he took the bread gave it to his disciples and he said this is my body which is given for you let us eat
elements also include his blood. His blood. The Bible says life is in the blood. Now being able to go into the holy place by the blood of Jesus, Hebrews 10 says. Now, I don't know if you know this, but every time we take communion is a form of going towards the throne of grace and being before God's presence. That's why it becomes sacred ground. <laughs> sacred territory. Let us drink together. <laughs> Let's go before the Lord. Lord, you said when the church gathers, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven and your word basically is teaching us that when we gather the church becomes a sacred divine place Lord God visit us in a way where we want you And Lord, help this week for us to begin a journey, all of us, of pressing your direction again. Whoever here and hasn't, you, you kind of let the pandemic kind of, you, you, the pandemic didn't do it to us, Lord, but we allowed it to happen. And God, I pray that you would help us to make our way back to you. And that, it, that you'll meet us in it. You said if we draw near to you, you draw near to us. And God, we're standing on that, promises because, that promise because all of the promises of God are yes in Jesus. Now unto him who is able to keep us from stumbling. And to present us faultless before his throne with exceeding gladness and joy. To him be glory, majesty, and power forever. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Take care. Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder and pastor of Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond, particularly in inner cities, partner with us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, place your confidence in him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Tune in next time so we can see you go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. God bless you. Take care. We love you.